And the facts is this, boys. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Kaya, Wanju, hello, welcome to another episode of The Curb. I am Andrew F. Pierce, and this is a podcast where I bring you in-depth interviews with filmmakers, creatives, and curators of culture. This podcast is recorded in Bulu, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. John Bell's unsettling 2021 short film, The Mogai, receives the feature film treatment with his 2024 horror of the same name. Making its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, The Mugai follows in the steps of other Australian horror films like Talk To Me, Relic, You Won't Be Alone, to have left their mark on the film festival. It follows the story of Indigenous couples Sarah, played by Shari Sebbins, and Fergus, Maine Wyatt, as they welcome their new child into the world. However, Sarah's birth is a traumatic one, with her dying on the table, leading her to be revived in a horrifying manner. Back at home and still rattled from her birthing experience, Sarah endures another torturous event in the guise of a malevolent spirit that wants to take her baby, the Mugai. John Bell explores the traumatic history of the Stolen Generations as well in the Mugai, leading to uh, a layering effect of Aboriginal myths and legends alongside the complexity that comes with Aboriginal kids being raised by white parents, as we see with the character of Sarah. Her culture is being pushed out of her, replaced with a level of scepticism and distrust towards her Aboriginal heritage. And when her birth mother, Ruth, a powerful and riveting performance from Tessa Rose, tries to help ward off the spirit with ochre and snakeskins, Sarah outwardly rejects her, allowing the spirit to further take hold of her life. The Mugai is frequently tense and unnerving, which is thanks in part to the work of cinematographer Sean Ryan. Sean worked with John on the short film, and in doing so, the two have crafted a visual style that amplifies the haunting aspects of the Australian landscape. In the following interview with Sean, recorded while he attends the 2024 Sundance Film Festival, Sean talks about creating that tension on screen, and how he chose to prevent the Australian landscape. While also skirting spoilers, he talks about the shot that creates the fiery climax of the film, and it sees characters surrounded by a circle of flames as smoke encompasses them in the darkness of the night. It is quite a memorable finale. While the Mugai does not have a release date as of yet, it will no doubt reach Australian audiences sometime during 2024. We will be continuing to bring you coverage from the Sundance Film Festival over the end of January, all of which you can read and listen to over at thecurb.com.au. All of the work at The Curb is independently produced and relies on the support of our brilliant community over at Patreon. To help keep The Curb independent, visit patreon.com forward slash thecurbau and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. For now, here is a clip from the Mugai followed by the interview with cinematographer Sean Ryan.
Yeah, congratulations. And I hope everything's going okay over in Sundance. It's it's always a strange experience to be able to talk with Australians in Sundance about Australian films, but it's nice to see that they're there. Yeah, it's been a real treat. You know, it was where we'd kind of set our hopes for uh, whilst making this film. You know, I know the director, John, you know, specifically felt like a, a North American audience would, um, you know, would really sort of love this subject matter or, or be able to kind of draw parallels with, um, you know, their own sort of First Nations history. So, yeah, it's been a great place to um, to start its life, really. Now, I talked to John when the short came out and I think it was the day after it won the Brooklyn International Horror Film Award. And he was just so chuffed because exactly that, like of knowing that, you know, an American audience would be able to receive it and accept it and uh, can actually appreciate the story and, and find some kind of resonance. So it's it's nice to hear that hopefully that's happening uh, with the screenings that's taking place in Sundance, fingers crossed. How's the experience been for you as well as, as part of the creative person has been not only part of the creative journey of the feature, and but with the short as well. Um, it feels like a little, you know, a Cinderella story in a way. You know, it's it's had the life that I think a lot of people, you know, wish for or what you, you hear these kind of tales of, you know, the success of a short that leads to the, the longer version. Um, and I guess in our case, to have so many people from the original team, you know, in front and behind the camera, yeah, is is a really lovely sentiment, and you know, a credit to not only John but the producers for you know backing some you know uh, early filmmakers in you know in going to the feature. Yeah, in mind, I, I'd love to find out what your journey into cinematography and that that art of uh, filmmaking was. How did you get into it? I guess I was lucky to go to a high school in Brisbane called Sheldon College that had quite a quite a strong film program so kind of got exposed to it there you know as others you know may have a familiar familiar story you know was making a few you know films with friends and that sort of thing and it was just you know the class that I was always looking forward to the most and you know typically sort of did the best in so kind of followed that to a uh, to film school in Brisbane and then ended up working for a visual effects company uh, called Alt VFX and was lucky enough to assist one of the visual effects supervisors there on, uh, on these commercial sets all over Australia and then around the world. So that was a real treat and I guess my first exposure to seeing, you know, filmmaking on a large scale and, in, you know, uh, in the States and in Europe and uh, in Asia. So I was kind of in a great position there to kind of get to watch a lot of other directors and DPs and, and also kind of collaborate um, with them, you know, in the visual effects department and talk through tricky sequences on how we were going to achieve something and, you know, come back to the team with, with the footage that was going to make life easy for the, the visual effects department. And then that was an amazing journey um, for about five years and then it kind of came time to to go back to shooting. And so I more or less sort of went cold turkey um, and had moved to Sydney by that point. And yeah, went from attending these, you know, very glamorous, well-catered shoots around the place to, um, you know, no budget music videos and shorts and, and then just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other.
I mean, you've, you've created a, a whole bunch of really exciting and, and visually striking uh, films along your journey. So I'm excited to see where the feature film uh, path goes for you. And I'm curious, when you first met John and first talk about the, the Mugai as a short film, what were the discussions about that that you had with one another? John described the film or, you know, wanting to make this film as a way of taking, you know, the stories of his people and, and putting them into the Western kind of format of filmmaking that, you know, he loves so dearly. So it was a really nice opportunity to work with him and help facilitate that. And I think, you know, filmmaking is such, you know, it requires so much of everyone involved. And so I think it's, you know, when you get to work on a project that you believe in wholeheartedly and you know that it's, you know, hopefully going to make the world a little bit of a better place, it's a very easy, you know, to justify the um, the early mornings and the late nights and, and everything that it takes to um, to make it possible. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? All those, those early nights and or late nights and things like that and we'll talk about those in a moment because I know that there were a few certainly with the short and I'm sure there were some with the feature as well but I, I'm curious about the visual style of of making sure that the the narrative uh, soared in the visual style of the film and I'm specifically thinking about the use of shadows and the use of darkness as well to create tension how did you go about creating that in a frame yeah again you know speaking with John about, you know, the Mugai, he kind of saw it as not, you know, fitting into any one box and, you know, it's a horror in some ways, but it's a family movie and others. And, you know, John also has a love of, you know, sort of the adventure film or the sort of the, um, the filmmaking techniques of, you know, kind of early Spielberg and, and sort of James Cameron and, and this kind of era. So it was kind of, trying to find this blend and and trying to give you know this small um you know australian film some real scale you know where we could and um you know john didn't want to have to lean into you know jump scares um relying on that to kind of um you know bring that kind of tension to the audience um and and the way that a lot of the film is lit or some of the more tense moments you know are really you know, quite prescribed by the script, you know, moments where a character, you know, is, is a bit obscured in a silhouette and then is revealed in light is, is all kind of there from the beginning. So, you know, we were blessed to have such a great starting point in that script that, you know, really informed um, all the decisions, you know, as we as we went through the shoot. There are moments that you're not sure what you're seeing because it's of the use of the shadows, of the use of uh, suggestion and things like that. Is it, you know, depending on, is it the young daughter? Is it, you know, a spirit? Who knows? And, and that kind of mystery really amplifies the tension of it. Yes. Um, and I'm curious if there was any, like in, in your experience working on uh, ads and commercials and then short films, was there any kind of uh, touch point things that you were able to go, this is how to create tension on screen, this is the easiest or the best way to create that that sense of, of fear on screen? I guess in the, you know, commercial space, you know, you don't get to create, you know, too much tension um, yeah. <laughs> given the formats. But, of um, course. But, you know, yeah. definitely in other, in other smaller narrative pieces, 
And I think too, you know, learning from other filmmakers that do it well, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of the way, you know, Denis Villeneuve, you know, does it in, in things like Sicario and, and Prisoners and in Sean Durkin's films, um, in, in one of his films, The Nest. And, you know, it's the, it's giving kind of the audience space to, I guess, try and make up their own mind. You know, is this, is this something that the character is experiencing, you know, for real or, or is it in their head? And yeah. I don't know, just the suggestive ways, you know, you can move the camera and let it, you know, let it linger. And, and, you know, that all comes down to the way things are cut as well. But yeah, I think we really wanted to try and explore, you know, the psychology of, of Sarah's character and, and kind of keep the audience guessing as much as she is. Should she be worried? Is there something wrong with her? Or, you know, is this just the result of, you know, lack of sleep that's kind of causing her to experience, you know, these sort of strange happenings? And, I mean, cinema is, is filled with, with really great kind of uh, stories about mothers who have been tormented about with their babies and things like that, you know, like Rosemary's Baby and things like that. Um, and, of course, Sherry Sebbins, she is a phenomenal actress. I'm curious what it was like working alongside her to help bring that character to life on screen. What were the, the moments like being so close to her and some of those moments of tension? I mean, it was, yeah, it was quite special to be there, you know, firsthand with Shari. You know, there was rarely a day she wasn't on set. Um, so it was quite full on for her, you know, emotionally and physically. You know, there's a lot of scenes where she's, you know, quite active and, you know, on the ground and, and running and, um, you know, with children and with real babies. And so, you know, she really had her work cut out for her. So, you know, where possible, we were just trying to, you know, get ahead and make sure that the scenes were, were lit and we could move quickly once she was in. You know, a few scenes really required her to go to, you know, quite a, quite a dark place where, you know, she and John kind of got there together. And, you know, it's, it's really tough on on the cast to to sit in that space and, and, you know, really emotionally taxing. And so, you know, where we can, again, you know, designed coverage that would be efficient and, you know, try not to exhaust these people and, and you know, get the best version of that performance, you know, on camera. As I mentioned, talking with John uh, with the short, that there was the, the climactic scenes in that where, it was middle of the night, 3am or something like that. And Shari's screaming out her lungs about, you know, don't take my baby. And, uh, and then he calls cut and then, you know, she would turn on again back to Shari and be like, was that good? You know, and there is that transition between the tension of what she's experiencing and the actress herself. I'm curious if you can talk about, were there any kind of moments like that on set? Um, especially, I imagine there was going to be a lot of 3am uh, shoots as, on this as well, because there are a lot of night moments in, here too. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's probably that, that similar kind of moment, you know, um, that emotional peak of the film, which again, you know, was at night. Um, fortunately it was uh, Sydney summer this time and not winter. So it was a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's that focus that, you know, Shari and, and Maine, you know, displayed as well. They're, they're so in it, you know, whilst we're rolling. But then, you know, during that moment where John kind of comes over between takes and, um, you know, the camera's being reloaded, you know, they're really absorbing 
you know, any notes that come through and, and are checking that, you know, what they're doing is, is landing well, you know, on camera. But, yeah, something I, uh, I know, you know, I'm not capable of. So, yeah, it was quite amazing to see, you know, these professionals um, at work really. And, and really, you know, we – I digress here a little bit, but, um, but hanging, hanging out with them after the premiere um, the other night was the first time that, you know, Shari and Maine had seen the film, you know, and I was reminded that, you know, this is not – this is not just – you know, another job for these guys or, you know, uh, they're not just playing a role or a character, but, you know, this is their story and it's the story of their people and there's there's such an extra weight that's felt there um, and responsibility that, that they took on to tell that. And so I think, you know, they're it's a project that they're really proud to be a part of and, yeah, I'm excited for everyone to get to see it. Oh, definitely. Same here because it's – I'm impressed by everything on board. Like I've always been a fan of Shari and Maine, but then seeing the work of John, seeing your work as well, there is a, it feels like there are a whole bunch of new creatives who are exploding in here. And I'm really excited to see where you all go from here. As we lead into wrapping up, I'm, I'm, trying to kind of skirt around spoilers and stuff like that but the moments i'm really here eager to hear about is the uh the use of fire and shooting with fire and the complexities with that what was the the difficulties of shooting that particular climactic sequence when i was reading the script uh, the feature script john and i you know had talked a lot about the short and you know it was always headed towards you know the feature length but we'd spent most of the time talking about the the events that led up to the short and things that were informing our decisions on the short film. And we actually never really went into, you know, where John saw um, the feature length version going after that. So reading the script for the first time, I was uh, kind of really surprised and excited by the scale and the scope, you know, that John had written in there. And again, just the twists and turns that um, the film kept taking and, you know, if I'm honest, it was quite an intimidating, you know, part of the script thinking, okay, how, how are we going to do this at night? You know, we've got, again, we've got babies, we've got special effects, we've got pyro um, and all, all, you know, within the limitations um, of, you know, time and money as well. So we had, we had many discussions on, you know, the approach, what should be practical, what should be CG. We ended up doing a little bit more in CG than we had hoped or planned. And just with, we just found there was so much smoke created by the practical fires. It became really not viable to have actors and, and team working so close um, to that. But the uh, Kujo, um, the visual effects company, have done an amazing job. And you can't tell what's what's real and, and what has been done in visual effects, which is, which is amazing because it's always you know, as in my role, feeling very responsible for the visuals as a whole, it's, yeah, great to pass the baton over to a team um, like that. But in saying all that as well, you know, knowing that that was going to be such a challenging scene and uh, it's quite a technical scene too. There's lots of really intricate story beats that need to be conveyed in that kind of um, crescendo of the film. So in the in the pre-production office, we we marked out a scale model of the set using uh, tape and rope. And basically over the course of two days, sort of the, 
better half of one afternoon and one morning with the production staff and the art department team. We, we shot that scene, sent the footage over, you know, just from an iPhone to Simon New, our editor, and he mocked it up for us. And so, you know, we learnt a lot from that exercise and, you know, basically had a, a blueprint to go into, you know, something to show the cast. Um, and that was, you know, invaluable um, once we got out there, you know, four weeks later um, for the real thing. And, you know, yeah, just kind of to get everyone on the same page. So, yeah, a nice little success there. It's a powerful scene. And as you're saying, all those story beats come across uh, so clearly, but it's such a visually striking sequence. Uh, it's certainly, you know, in a film that's full of memorable moments, that's the part that I'm I'm walking away with just thinking, yeah, there's so much exciting stuff going on screen there. So congratulations for that and congratulations for the whole film as well. That's a lot to be proud of. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been great to, you know, start sharing it with people here and, you know, um, I know it's going to have, you know, an extra special resonance for the for the Australian audience. So excited to see it, you know, in theatres, hopefully sometime this year. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, well, I hope that you're getting a chance to at least have enjoyed part of Sundance outside of, you know, the festivities for your own film as well. Um, there's a lot of great films there. So, you know, fingers crossed you're getting that that opportunity and enjoying the, the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's been pretty in, inspiring and, and amazing to see... Um, um, some fellow Australian DPs, Lachlan Milne and, and Jermaine McMicking here with some films as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of talent, you know, in, in one small place. With that in mind, just as a last question, I guess, do you mm. obviously you imagine you probably catch up with a lot of other fellow DPs and stuff like that. What kind of discussions do you have about the state of Australian film and, and capturing Australia on film? Do you have, do you talk about how to present Australia on film together? Yeah, I guess maybe not that that conversation particularly. Um, but I know, I think sometimes, um, you know, I've been guilty or, you know, you can associate a lot of things or a lot of things that are very cinematic can often um, we associate with, you know, American cinema or, you know, visuals or, you know, a quality of light that... Um, you know, is, is foreign to us and just something I think at least that I've absorbed, you know, from being raised on, on international films as well as, you know, Australians. So I think it was nice to try and find our own identity, you know, for the Mugai, like working with um, Fergus Rotherman in, in the grade, you know, we were grading the Australian bush and, you know, at times we looked at it and went, you know what, that it doesn't feel Australian. It looks you know, the colour of the greens feels too European. And and so it, it was interesting to try and just hit the nail on the head because I think it is it is a difficult kind of landscape to, to you know, accurately show um, in cinema, you know, the kind of bushland. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really nice thing to kind of hopefully have found that sort of identity and, and yeah, have made its way into the film. But but no, I guess, you know, speaking with other DPs, it's often what challenges are you facing? Or, you know, I was speaking to Jermaine over here about his film and, you know, um, you know, he's working a lot internationally um, as well as in Australia. So it was really interesting to see how, 
you know, he's um, getting involved in these projects and, and, you know, speaking to some of um, some of the Americans here, how much they love, you know, uh, his work on, and Justin Cazell's work on, on Nitrum and, and things like that. And, and actually having some really great encouraging conversations about Australian cinema as a whole. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, we just love, you know, how strong the Australian sort of film identity is and the way, uh, you know, it, it exports and, and they were kind of, you know, envious of that for their own country. So it's, it was really, really nice to hear that and encouraging. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back and, um, you know, looking, looking for the next project. I'm excited to see whatever it is. Uh, you're certainly somebody I'm going to keep an eye on and see what your visual style is as it, as it grows on screen. Um, but I really appreciate the time that you've uh, given me to be able to talk about Mugai and your work. Uh, and congratulations once again. Thanks, Sean. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Curb Podcast. To help keep The Curb independent, visit patreon.com forward slash The Curb AU to show your support from as little as $1 a month. And also to listen to other episodes, make sure to head over to thecurb.com.au. We'll see you on the next one.